0: Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski.
1: Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, watching Tom Dorian move his mouth, to my every word, lip-syncing me. Because I it down, didn't I? I? say that every time for
0: 10 years. You do it so well.
1: We've been saying the same thing. I'm so excited to be here for so many years.
0: Excited that you're here. Excited to be here with right. you.
1: And this year is special because we added Sam Rodriguez. Ziggy. Yay! Yeah. The Zigmeister is here with us. As, you know, it's always nice to be able to pass the show on if I were to quit or get hit by a bus.
0: You know what's going to be really cool is the day he comes out of his shell.
1: <laughs> yeah, that no, you know, we don't we do not want to be present.
0: You don't think that's gonna be cool?
1: No, because if what he's doing now is not out of his shell we're it in trouble. could be we're in trouble. <laughs> we're in big trouble. Uh, and actually we're gonna give an opportunity to be out of his shell today. Awesome. Because it's the Ziggy Rodriguez show.
2: <laughs>
0: Ziggy So it's
1: the Ziggy hour. Uh and so all right, Ziggy, you're up. Ready go.
3: Okay, well, so today is, uh, this weekend we have September 8th, which is the uh, birth of our Blessed Mother, but it's not acknowledged on the calendar, church calendar. Uh, instead, though, we have a lovely Sunday Gospel reading that I've been praying about and reflecting on uh, throughout the day. And I uh, had some interesting uh, uh, thoughts that I wanted to share with you guys.
1: So let's, let's read the Gospel. It's from the Gospel of Luke. It's the 14th chapter, starting at verse 25. And it goes something like this. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, This one began to build but did not have the resources to finish. Or what kind? What king, marching into battle, would not first sit down and decide whether, with 10,000 troops, he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops? But if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple." So I don't understand Jesus is like Mr. Negative here right? <laughs> There's like this laundry list of things. Now I know he doesn't want us to hate, but he says hate. Um and and it's like cannot be my disciple. It just seems that way, right? That I think as we get further into um the year or the liturgical year, we start to hear more talk and stories really about judgment, about end times, about what is this whole life thing all about? So what were you thinking when you started to hear these words? Well, Did you so, got to get rid of a lot of stuff?
2: Right,
3: right. Well, <laughs> and, 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 you know, the language of hate really, the, a better translation, my understanding is love less, right? In terms of love, uh, your, your, your family members, even your closest family members, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your spouse, less than
1: God. And now, you no. know, the way I always read that, though, Sam, and I'm not saying that's, that, that's a valid way to, sure. to interpret it, and I think that would be a nicer way to say it, but a couple things. One is I think Jesus always wanted to, like, say things in ways in which we're going to maybe a little shock value. Oh, yeah. You guys need to exactly. wake up and hear this, but also, if it came down to it, and you had to decide between God and your mother. Right. Oh, Sammy, I carried you under my heart for nine months, <laughs> and you're going to do this to me. You know, and you're going to like, Mama, I got to choose God. If they're putting that choice before you, which hopefully your parents are not doing that. Do you love God more than me? I know I know they they hopefully they aren't saying that. But in that instance, you choose one or the other. You can't have both in that regard. Well, and if God
3: is love, how can we love anybody apart from God? That's right. Right. And so I think that that is part of the reality that we have to. uh be grounded in with that and he combines this also with renouncing all possessions right and so and he's couching all this in terms of counting the cost you know that you're not going to undertake the building of a building or, or launching the, a, a military campaign if you haven't counted the cost ahead of time and know what you're at risk and what God, what Jesus is telling us is you have to risk everything you have to place everything you, below God I can't no have life. a little it, including something even your own life yes which he did.
1: I can't have a little something tucked away somewhere just for a rainy day, just to make sure.
3: Right. right. Well, all the devil has to do is put a little bit of glitter on any one thing, mm-hmm. and and get you to place
1: that ahead of God, and, and he's wins. got he wins or yeah. sprinkles, sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> little sprinkles on your That's a cupcake. Sprinkles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need I need strength, Lord. Um, yeah. So now I also think whenever Jesus talks about family. We, we have to remember just how important family was during those di- days and times. I mean, literally clans, groups, family names, and that was all important. And, and certainly all of Jewish history teaches us about carrying on the family name. And, mm. and uh, you know, if your, if your brother dies before. It's the whole idea of covenant. Right, before uh, getting his wife, uh, getting children from his wife if he dies. First, then it's the, the brother's. Uh, familial duty to go and uh, and and get children for his brother, and so that the so for family is so important. And I think that the Lord was trying to help everyone understand that, like, look, this is this is most important. Mm-hmm. So you need to love them less than you love me. And I love the idea that you realize or say that y- you can't love them unless you love me. Right, right, because we and we just heard that gospel, you know, loving. Uh, God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. That those that was like the two for one gospel, remember? <laughs> which is the best which is the best most important commandment? It's actually this one. Oh, and this one. Because they go together and you can't have you can't love God and not love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And you can't love your neighbor and not love God. Because true love comes from God. Mm-hmm. So that's all powerful and, and good. But I think sometimes Jesus also is talking about these incredible family bonds, but helping them understand that that bond is made, I think, surest in God. Mm. And then if it comes down to like making a choice between like familial duty and, and what you know, running the family business or bringing honor to the family name or protecting somebody who did something wrong or whatever to not shame the family, that ultimately those were choices that should never lead you away from God. And do you sense that maybe some people might have bristled at what he said, hating your father and your mother?
3: Oh, I think so. I think it's, it's, it's incendiary the way he's, he portrays it on purpose. It's extremely challenging to the very core of one's being and one's, Experience. Um, there's no question. It
1: reminds me a lot of this. And I try to tell me, tell me who said this. Mm. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, <laughs> you have no life within you. Right. What? Right, wait. What did he say? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my my flesh is true. I mean, he's like, he
0: says uh, it six or seven times,
1: over and over again, to the point where they he was. You uh, talk about incendiary. I mean, he was using, um, you know, the the, the Greek word that was translated from that made eat is is traigo, which is to gnaw mm-hmm. right the meat off the bone. He was trying to inflame their passions a little bit and help them understand to what degree he meant eat. Mm-hmm. Right? And in the same way it's like hate. Mm-hmm. You've got to hate your parents. You've got to hate your brother and your sister, your children, your your entire family and to to be able to love me.
3: And renounce all possessions.
1: Ooh. Well, the possessions is really hard, isn't it?
3: It can be, you know, extremely hard. For some people, that's harder than the the, the family issue, depending on how a person's wired.
1: In fact, how many times have we heard in modern modern times where the family possessions end up being the reason why uh, people split up? So when someone dies... Uh, I've got a set of dishes up in my attic right now mm. that belong to somebody that somebody else didn't want somebody else to have. And it's like started this this big split. Mm-hmm. I don't want the stinking dishes and they're sitting in a box and are never going to get used. And I'm just waiting some opportunity to get rid of the dishes. But we didn't get them and try to separate whatever. But the reality is, hey, then you take them because you don't want them. Right? But it's like dishes. Right. And And those are possessions that will end up separating and destroying families. Mm. So money and things like that. So imagine having to decide between eternal salvation and Mm. creature comforts. Mm
3: -hmm. Well, so I'm reminded uh, when I read this gospel passage, the thing that that came to mind was a a talk given by a rabbi, actually, on television. And this rabbi was recounting a story of a man who approached him and said that, uh, Rabbi, I want to be a good Jew. Um, but I don't believe in God. And so I need you to tell me uh, what I can do about that to where I can still be a good Jew if I don't believe in God. And what the rabbi said to him was, first, you need to get rid of all the false gods in your life. And then you'll be in a position to seek the true God. There you go. And I thought that was very powerful. And was a message that Christians, you know, need to hear as well. Yeah. Uh, the, the fact that any given day we are wrestling with false gods that are trying to creep into our life or that the devil is trying to introduce into our life or the world and the deceptions of the world or our flesh is trying to enter and, you know, invite into our life. And I think that that is at the very core of, of dying to self as a recognition that we are subjects to uh, the sin of idolatry at any given time. We have this high flown notion of idolatry being something that only, bad pagan people do you know
1: as a part well, yeah of- <laughs> and I, i've been over to tom's house he does not have any golden statues that he bows down For- and worships to right but he has a nice big screen tv i don't know if you've seen it but it's really nice i'm kidding but but you know that that's hard right right and how many people do we know including ourselves who say well, you know i could give all that up I, I I don't you know I don't really care about having that the uh, cable max four hundred plus whatever package along with that sixty inch whatever TV or seventy I don't know what's cool now what is big big you know I
0: don't, I don't know. yeah
1: they're all big there but but the point is you know we 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 fool ourselves into thinking that we don't need that mm-hmm. or we could get rid of it at any time and yet we don't right it's hard. Mm-hmm. I, I'm admitting myself that it's not always easy. And so when people say renounce your possessions, what does that look like? So. We want to talk about that when we come back. What does it actually look like to renounce your possessions? And so Sam's going to have an answer for all of us. And it's going to settle, <laughs> okay. s- settle that, that, that issue. Uh, but we're going to take a break first. And before we do take that break, I want to remind folks at home we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com.
3: And also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter and share our posts and like them and comment on them. It makes
1: a difference. And if you have an extra big screen TV, send it to Tom. We'll take it off your hands to allow to help you renounce your possessions. (laughs) And with that, we'll be right back.
2: I'm Best Rosimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Born in England in the late 7th century, a man named Winfrith felt called to the monastic life and joined the Benedictines at an early age. It was not long before he flourished in the faith and became recognized as a powerful conduit for the Holy Spirit to all those he encountered. Tradition tells us that the Pope himself changed Winfrith's name to Boniface, a name that means good fortune. Saint Boniface was very well thought of in the Catholic Church in England and would have most definitely excelled there, but he felt a burning desire to carry the gospel message to those who were not yet Christians. He focused his attention on continental Europe, where a colorful array of pagan religions was beginning to take root. With an evangelistic zeal, he crossed the seas and found himself settled in Germany, where he went to work straight away sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. One story is told of how St. Boniface had become so distressed by the pagan worship of trees in Germany that he decided to go to the public square and cut down a giant oak tree dedicated to the god Thor. The townspeople looked on in horror, fully expecting Thor to avenge the horrid deed and punish St. Boniface. But nothing happened. They became convinced that the god of St. Boniface, the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was the one true god. Many were converted to Christianity because of this one simple act on the part of St. Boniface. As St. Boniface entered his 80s, he resigned all his positions of leadership and once again went back to his roots of the simple missionary life. Though he was advanced in years, he was still a compelling force for the Church. He converted many to Catholicism. But at the same time, made his enemies all the more jealous of his successes for God. In 754, St. Boniface and 53 of his followers were murdered by a band of pagans determined to stop the continuing spread of Catholicism. Without any resistance whatsoever, they quietly laid down their lives for Christ and his church. St. Boniface was lovingly referred to as the Apostle of the Germans. Recalling the years that St. Boniface worked in Germany, a well-known German church historian stated, to us, this was a period of light, when the light of the gospel and of Christian civilization came to us. The feast day of St. Boniface is celebrated by the Universal Church on June 4th. I'm Bess and this is another great moment in church history.
0: Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff.
1: And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm sitting here with Tom Dorian Mm -hmm. and Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. And Sam is getting ready to tell us how easy it is to renounce our (laughs) possessions. He's got a, like a, what is it, like a four-step program? Yeah, yeah. yeah, First, chuck everything out the window. (laughs) Second, call Deacon Jeff and tell him to come by and pick everything up for free. And then three and four don't really matter. (laughs) So... All kidding aside, it is not easy to peel away stuff that we've become attached to. And we don't even realize how much we've become attached. I, I, I remember uh, an example I use is not about possessions, uh, but really about growing into stuff. I remember I, um, I had a burst appendix, and I was in the hospital for 10 days. Mm-hmm. And they had to put in one of those drains. I don't want to get people grossed out, but I had a little drain in there because I was they needed to get that fluid out, Right. So after about uh, you know, the after I've had that in for about nine days. Ooh, I know where you my gone. body said this is mine. Oh yeah. I mean my it had grown literally into my body. And so the, the technician person comes in and says, You're gonna feel a little discomfort. Now folks, when you hear those words grab onto everything. You better buckle up. Yeah and uh and and it's going to be because it, it you know do you remember the movie alien and the little th- thing comes oh, out yeah. yeah it's felt like that like yeah. there was something alive inside me and i know that the drain was probably you know nine or ten inches long or whatever the little the little thing but uh it felt like it was like you know they were like there <laughs> like it was like uh six feet that they were pulling out and every one of it's like my body said no i want that right and and I, I, I use that example because it was horrific. And maybe I'm a big baby. It's you're possible.
0: Not. I had that with knee surgery. I know what you're what mm. you felt. Right. Like. And
1: so it's like your body just grows in into one with it. It just mm. accepts it and takes it in. In the same way, when we have a certain cable package, when we have a certain set of golf clubs with that sweet spot, if we have whatever it is, whatever we end up um well, idolize is really what it is, but we just we physically grow dependent upon it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think satan knows that mm. and that makes it even harder so it's good that sam has the easy answer
3: sam <laughs> <laughs> well so what i'm reminded of is my first lent after really returning to the church you know i had a conversion experience october 2011 so the lent of 2012 Uh, I had been away from the church, not going to Mass on Sundays for years, and I thought, okay, now it's showtime. Now it's Lent. This is this is the stuff where this is where the the, the men and the boys get separated. You right, know, the rubber hits the road. This rubber, is, yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. And so I decided it was going to be the best lit ever. I didn't check in with my uh, spiritual director at the time. I just made a list of everything that was hard. I, at the time, I was a, I was a smoker. I was like, I'm going to give up cigarettes cold turkey. I'm going to give up uh, meat. I'm going to give up sugar. I'm going to give up alcohol. And I, that was that I know was on there. But there was other stuff too and i just, just decided yeah, i was going to really, do all that's of all that. you did
1: I know, seriously right? <laughs> <Wow>.
3: <laughs> no all there right? was more there was more and i remember like week 1 you know uh maybe i just had like a breakdown a nervous breakdown amidst the alcohol, the uh, the nicotine withdrawals and all of that stuff and I, I showed up over uh at st louis parish and the sanctuary late at night and just kind of sat there and i Remember feeling God, you know, turning to God and just saying, "Like I can't do this," you know, "I can't do this." And what God was helping me see was that I was putting everything upon myself. I wasn't being God reliant. Mm. I was being I was I was being self reliant in that time. And and the word that He would put on my heart is that God loves a cheerful giver. And He put that on my heart actually as I was looking through the Stations of the Cross, Mm. and I was able to see that Christ. Even amidst the torment that he endured during his passion, at his very core was in fact a cheerful giver. Even though cheerfulness would be is unimaginable, mm-hmm. you know, to us uh, amidst all of that, uh, that is who he is, and he can't be against his own character. And so, what God helped me see <clears throat> was that it's it, I need to be grounded in where I really am, and. Rely upon God to to try to do better, but you know than where I am right now. But I don't have to do everything all at once.
1: Yeah, I think a spiritual director might have advised yes. that. Yes. and said, "Hey, uh, slow down. You yes. know, great idea, but you know, maybe <laughs> not all at once." Right. I mean, I remember a, a long time ago, i it, it was a big fad to do like the low carb dieting, the Atkins diet, and things like that. I remember the first time I ever done that. And I remember within like two or three weeks, as my body was going into ketosis, I specifically remember having sweats uh, and really withdrawal symptoms mm-hmm. from sugar. Oh yeah, right. Just cutting all that out, it's like it was amazing to me how my body had become accustomed to to, to ingesting a certain thing a certain way, and it became like where it owned me. Mm-hmm. Right now, I got through that, and that was a great. Experience for me to know that, but I can't imagine trying to do all of those things. Many of those are really physical attractions, and maybe even some people get addicted to those kind of things, right? And mm-hmm. so that can be devastating, you know, uh, and hard to do.
3: Absolutely, and so I think you know we love because God loved us first, and that I think is a, a core spiritual truth that need, that we're, we always have to be at at that square one where we're grounded in the fact that we're loved and that we're letting God love us and love through us. And if everything that we're doing is a response to that love and we are turning our lives over to him and saying, Lord, everything that I have, you've blessed me with, thank you. And I I give it back to you. Help me be a better steward and help me put you first. It's only through him that we're able to do that.
1: So how does the counting the cost factor into all this?
3: Well, sometimes you might be uh, God might make it clear that there is something that that you think you can 't live without, and it could be a possession, it could be a relationship uh, but He could make it very clear to you that this is not you can 't keep this relationship anymore or you have to risk this relationship because it 's off track right now uh or this possession has become an idol to you.
1: Yeah, see, I think a lot of people don't realize that our possessions and even some, like bad relationships and become a cost. Yeah. I mean, they become part of the things that are holding us back, the the anchors that keep us from, uh, you know, reaching the heights or, or whatever. And, that, uh, and, and you have to realize, well, look, if you're going to really do this, if you really want to be my disciple, you need to count the cost and you need to recognize that it's going to cost you everything. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be a pauper, that you're going to be poor, maybe physically, but you're, you're actually going to be enriched beyond your wildest imagination. Mm. Right? So at the end of the counting of the cost, it doesn't mean that it's expensive to be a disciple of Jesus. What it means is what you value, everything is turned on end. Mm. Right? What you think you valued, the things that become your idols, were actually keeping you from God right and maybe even hardening your heart to the point where you're blinding you spiritually but once you're free of that then you can see clearly and you go like oh this is what enriches me is my relationship with god and that's what's so powerful i remember when uh, a lot of the guys in our groups and stuff we've been with tom you did the exodus 90 thing right i did so tell me about that in, in, in regards to like Peeling yourself away
0: from all that. Well, you do kind of what Sam did, which is you give up up every vice you can possibly imagine that could be a vice. (laughs) From electronics to um, cold showers to um, fasting, abstaining, all that kind of stuff for 90 days. Right. And you do it with other guys to help support you along the way. Alcohol.
1: And so uh, what you're essentially doing is you're you're, uh, leaving captivity – Big time, because we're captive to all that stuff. Right. So at the end of that, what was that like? I mean, what where were you at the end? Like, oh, good, I can have all this stuff again. There's a part of that I imagine, like a a warm shower. What that would feel like?
0: That was the biggest thing with with (laughs) the showers. (laughs) That was (coughs) tough. But you know what? The rest of it, you learned that you could live without it, and Mm -hmm. you learned how satisfied you really could be with just simplifying and being being content in God's company and with each other as well. So. I, you know, and, um, simplification. In and, and
1: some of the same way, it's amazing to me how I've learned to eat smaller portions when I eat food.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How often we gorge ourselves or we've, we want a bigger portion. We want to get a large size. And then what I realize is I'm actually satiated mm-hmm. with a medium or a small sometimes. And it's, it's amazing to me uh, how what I used to think about consuming food mm-hmm. and then what's actually healthier for me, what's better. And I enjoy life more, not having the large stake or the large whatever it's amazing to me how when we start to look at what we value mm-hmm. and and but then how we're rewarded by God when we value him more right and that's and that's not always an easy thing to do but when it comes to like renouncing possessions It doesn't mean you have to get rid of everything. That you will never ever have a creature comfort. You'll never be able to experience a big screen TV or a cable package. I keep talking about that because I love it. I guess. But the but the reality is you have to doing something like Exodus ninety. What's nice about that is you can find out like what you said. I really can survive. Mm
0: -hmm. You can survive without having
1: that information. You also
0: discover how attached you are. You you think you're not. But when you jump in on that, you really find out, oh, wow, I really was attached to that. That that wasn't that was out of line.
3: Well, I think within Catholic tradition, we have the, the gift of knowledge is, in fact, the gift of a right understanding of the value of things against the light of the reality of God, the reality of Christ. Mm-hmm.
1: Amen. And seeing that balance and living that balance, becoming that, sometimes it takes a little renouncing right to to peel things away so we can see what truly matters what we truly need so renounce your possessions but count the cost uh but be jesus's disciple and know the love that god has in store for each one of us and our blessed mother as well Mm. hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy Holy mary mother Mother of god God, pray pray for for us sinners sinners, now and at at the the hour of our our death death. Amen. amen
0: Thanks for listening to The Catholic Café. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafé.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafé.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Café is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at The Catholic Café, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.